grace and we find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need and there is not a time that we don't need you lord we sometimes we're not aware of it and even take it for granted but you know and you're there for us so we thank you for your abiding presence with us in jesus name amen and praise god so today we're going to talk about not without blood, not without blood, amen? Everything that we receive hinges on the blood of Jesus, the atonement factor. Uh, you know and I know that we was a hot mess before we got saved, amen? We warm little messes now, but we was a hot mess then. Wouldn't want to go back there for anything. What do you think keeps you from going back? What do you think keeps you? It's the power of the blood. It's, it, amen. It, it was. It's something to be understood, I think, and reckoned with. And there's no other uh, um, sacrifice. There's no other power that's ever been made on behalf of humanity. Uh, you know, we talk about sometimes some of the great things that have been done to rescue people. Um, the atomic bomb was the last great thing that rescued humanity from from world destruction. Hitler was going to kill everybody. He didn't like nobody. And um, in, in, he had the satanic power to do it. Uh, but God, amen, God came through, and he will always come through. But the blood of Jesus is much more powerful uh, than any atomic bomb because it destroys what's not good and preserves and encourages and increases that which is good. <clears throat> so the uh, if you turn to Hebrews chapter 9, I'm going to read it, I think, out of the, uh, this is an NIV, um, Hebrews 9. Let me go, let me do the King James because I'm, I'm always familiar with that one. Hebrews 9. And verse, <clears throat> where do I want to start here? Um, well, with verse 1, truly the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service. So there was in the first covenant, if you uh, read the book of Leviticus, it reads like um, uh, uh, an iPad manual <laughs> owner's manual uh, uh we, they call it uh something for dummies or <laughs> this ain't hardly for dummies i mean you don't mess your head up you try to figure out all that stuff but i'm sure as as the priests read god's instructions or the instructions were read to them the holy spirit then reiterated and learned led them in what they had to do but he says the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. These things that that the old tabernacle and the old temples that they had were actually replicas of what there was in heaven. So this was a worldly sanctuary. Why? Because it was really a teaching tool. It was a type. It was a, a representation that man could see, carnal man could see, to know what was actually going on on his behalf by God in heaven. And so as they were constructing these the sanctuary, there was a purpose for all of these things. For there was a tabernacle made, and uh, the first wherein was the candlestick, the table, and the showbread, which was is called a sanctuary. 
after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. So there were two chambers that had to be entered, one first and the other, which had a golden censer, the Ark of the Covenant overlaid around with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and the Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the uh, tab- tables of the covenant so the 10 commandments were in there there was uh representing really god's law but also there was uh the manna and the uh Aaron's rod that budded now the rod that budded represented the levitical priesthood as chosen by god so remember somebody tried to steal the <laughs> i like the way god does business if he got on facebook woo Heads would roll, man, because some guy tried to tell Aaron he could be a priest too, and so uh, God said, "Well, Aaron, you take a an uh, what was it, an olive branch, and told his guy to take one." He said, "The one that buds is my man." So Aaron's Aaron's rod bud, and this other guy was there. Ooh, ooh, hello, ground open up, swallow up, deceiver, amen. So then people didn't last long if they was on the wrong foot, but that was the law. God was demonstrating the law. He really demonstrated his attitude about sin. When you see that law being judged, what we consider harshly, because we don't really want to judge anybody's sin because we don't want ours judged, kind of like, you know. But anyway, when we see that, it's more to convey god's attitude about it like he don't like it period okay and that becomes clear under the old old covenant that's what that covenant was for was to teach us what holiness was teach us what god thought about things and teach us god's nature and so it says it was and over it the cherubims of glory overshadowing the mercy seat of which we can and he said i don't have time to go through all of that right now now when these things were thus ordained the priests went always into the first tabernacle accomplishing the service of god so if you if you you know cussed your neighbor out you had to go get the family lamb and take it to the priest and you know that was what they did on a routine on a regular basis that was in the first tabernacle and he says but the second and this is the important one that Jesus entered into, went in the high priest alone. So we don't have a bunch of priests going into one chamber and doing lesser things and one going in, going doing major things once a year, but we have one great high priest, period, okay? All that old stuff was done away with. The second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood. You could not enter in as a high priest to minister over the sins of the people, to sanctify them and purify them and bring them right with God unless you took blood. Amen. Jesus is not a Levitical high priest. He came from the tribe of Judah. So we know he's a different kind of high priest than all the Levitical priests that, that ever were. The other thing, too, is those priests died because they were mortal men. So the priesthood changed. If some new guy came in, you know, if he knew his stuff, you got good ministry. If he didn't know his stuff, too cool. Or like a lot of them would, would get bored with that and go off and do something else. You know, they scattered from time to time. So because they were, it was a worldly priesthood 
and there were mortal men who died off, they, it was a changeable priesthood. Amen. And it says, but in the second went the high priest along once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself first and for the errors of the people. So the worldly priest himself was a sinner. Jesus was not that. So his priesthood is different just for that reason. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way to the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was yet standing. So as long as that tabernacle stood, the way to the eternal way to the holiest was not yet made, which was a figure for the time then present in which we were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. The biggest difference here is that the the priests going in but not without blood went in in a worldly tabernacle to signify man's obedience to God's law, but he had to do it over and over and over and over and over again. Why? The blood of bulls and goats could not purge the conscience from dead works. So this is why you get people like Samson. The Spirit of God would come on him, the Bible says, from time to time. And he would do great and mighty things. But then he went and and, uh, told his wife to go get a harlot for him to marry. You understand what I'm saying? Now, uh, (laughs) I ain't going to say what I was going to say. You know, I see saved people do that now. There's no excuse for doing it now. That's what I want to say. You understand what I'm saying? Because in Samson's time, he could go go and, go and do great and mighty things, go sanctify himself again, and but his mind lived like a crazy person. Unless you stayed with God and you were committed to God. Now, there were ways to work with God and live as a sanctified person, but it wasn't to the degree that it is that we have it now. Because of the blood of Jesus, your conscience is purged. Amen. People had a bad conscience. They would do things wrong and sit nervously and wait until the day of atonement came so they could get that off of them. You can do it instantly. Amen. You don't have to wait for anything and know from year to year, you know, what's going to happen. From minute to minute, you can be sanctified, holy, and live for God. So Christ, verse 11, it says, being, Becoming a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of bulls and calves, but by his own blood. He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us all. So Jesus entered in once and for all. Turn to John chapter 20, and I'll show that to you. Jesus, um, uh, after he was raised from the dead, you see a, a situation here. That, um, let me see, 20 verse, ah, 17, I think it is. And verse uh, 14, ah, verse 11. Mary, this is where she went to the sepulcher. This is on Easter, Easter morning. 
early one Sunday morning. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked in and saw two angels in white sitting at one, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she said to him, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. When she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and did not know that it was he. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? She, supposes him, supposing him to be a gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned herself and said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. And Jesus said to her, Touch me not. For I am not yet ascended to my father, but go tell my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Now, the reason he didn't, anybody know why he didn't want her to touch him? He was in the middle of his priestly ministry. He was ceremonially clean and he couldn't touch anybody unclean. You got it? It was like she interrupted like the old priest going into the holiest of holies. That's where she caught it. So he was already in process going into the holy of holies up there. So he was ceremonially clean. He could not defile himself by touching to talking, touching someone because this is the only reason when he came back from presenting his blood at the altar he let them touch him because they were holy as well but before then he said don't defile me he said because i have still got some ministry to do i got to go and send to the father present my own blood to cover the mercy seat for the sins of all humanity amen amen so so that's the only reason. I've heard people say, oh, Mary, you know how she was. She liked to cling to him. I said, well, I cling to him too. Is that, is that, when's that a bad thing? You understand what I'm saying? But, but that is why. Because he is in process of carrying the blood to the holiest of all in the, in the heavens. He's about to hit the real thing now. And so he, just like you wouldn't interrupt a high priest, now Jesus being a different kind of priesthood could do anything in that process but defile himself so he could stop and talk to her and to me it's a picture of how much the lord loves us you know she's upset because she doesn't know where he is and she thinks she didn't even recognize him so he had to make himself known to her to get the fear out of her and let her see that he was raised from the dead. Amen. And so these are things you, we see about Jesus where you, these are evidences of how much he cares about us. I mean, to me, I take it as I said, man, he's in, in, you know, ministry. It's like interrupting somebody when they're preaching, you know. And I know we do it sometimes because if somebody needs ministry or needs prayer or something i'll stop preaching if god says to do it you know if it's something uh, really important but that's that's the gist of what they're doing here and so his role as a great high priest is being fulfilled here 
uh, Hebrews. Uh, he was not a Levitical or an earthly priest, but he was a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And if you remember, I'll turn to Hebrews 6. I think I have some few notes on that. Hebrews 6 and verse... I think verse 20 yeah, whether the forerunner is for us entered that is even Jesus is talking about uh, um, Jesus being a different kind of a high priest it's it's a different order it's not the Levitical order uh, and and it's 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 kind of like whatever God plans it to be is what it is but there are some certain characteristics about it in verse 15 it says and so after he had patiently endured he obtained the promise speaking of Abraham for men truly swear by the greater and an oath of confirmation is to them of an end of all strife so if you're you're uh uh, working out terms of a covenant or an agreement with somebody once you have sworn to confirm this thing it's an end to all strife you ever notice how sometimes you give people the word and they try to argue with you and after a while they quit because that the word of god is confirmed through an oath and that cuts off strife you remember when they talked about jesus um uh uh saying things to the pharisees and it says they couldn't answer him they couldn't gainsay they were confounded or they went away with nothing well it's because that word is sealed in an oath there's no striving over it after the word of god amen so that's why you always if you're having words with somebody or they disagree with you you always let god have the last word in that situation that ends all strife they can't argue with the word of god it's settled already amen and he says, wherein God more willing, willing more abundantly to show the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it with an oath. So he confirmed his promises with an oath to show you that he was locked in and it can't be changed. Amen. If he says you're healed, you're healed. Yeah. I don't care what you say, anybody else say, you're still healed as far as he's concerned. And it says by that, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. So it, that doesn't say God won't lie. That says he cannot. Amen. It's impossible. The oath just makes what he says true. Amen. If he says the sky is pink and you look out and it's blue, trust me, in a little bit it's going to be pink. You got me? Because God said it. So it's impossible for him to lie. And he says, we might have strong consolation. Now you, you need to understand that the reason nobody can talk you out, I don't care how rotten you get, how, how much you turn your back on God, how weird you get, or where you go and go to a commune with a bunch of hippies and, and live there and smoke dope. Once God has confirmed your salvation, it's, you're always saved. And you know, you deep, deep down, them people know they belong to somebody. They're just messing around. You know, let the devil deceive them into getting mad at somebody in the church or some nonsense like that. But, but you're confirmed as a saved person once that, once that blood has changed your life. When you, when you, 
pray that prayer and you ask Jesus Christ to move in, honey, he moves in. I don't care if you make him live in a corner, he's still in there. Amen. And and that's why saved people, you know, people who are really saved, no matter how much they mess up and cut up, you can't tell them they're not saved anymore. Amen. I say, I know I'm a rough cut and I got some rough edges and <laughs> let me put this gun down, but I'm saved. I'm saved. Amen. So, <laughs> and he says, you have strong consolation. To be consoled means to be supported, not pat you on the back and tell you quit crying. No, that's that's not consoling. Amen. You know, cons- consolation means a strengthening in your resolve and a strengthening in your understanding. So your understanding and your resolve to stay with, stay with God is strengthened because of the oath. Amen. Amen. Jesus swore by himself because he could swear by no higher. Amen. When when Abraham was was asking, uh, how will I know I'm going to have a son? You know, God has to give us something. We ask the same things too sometimes. How am I going to know this, God? And God can give you 15 signs, but I tell you, best thing you can do is go to His Word and look at that until you get convinced, because that Word convinces you on its own. And so when Abraham, he, it, God cut a covenant back there with Abraham, which brought them into his, his heirs into the old covenant. But the Bible says there was a, a, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed through the pieces that had been split and the blood of those animals was shed, signifying a uh, a a uh, 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 unending covenant that went from generation to generation to generation, and so when those two pieces were there, the burning lamp represents Christ, and the smoking furnace represents the Father. So the Father and the Son cut covenant; they could swear both by no higher, so they swore by each other. Amen. We got it, Dad. Uh huh. We got a lock on this one. And so when they were able to get men to enter into covenant through circumcision, that brought more and more individuals under the covenant with God through this oath and this promise that were, were there until the real came. Abraham was, was sworn an oath for a shadow. And the shadow worked. It worked for everything that he needed. He got his son. He and Sarah lived to be very old. Their children were blessed and and brought under. Uh, he had twelve tribes that came out of him, and they were built, became a nation of Israel. Everything that God promised him came to pass. Amen. He fought for him. He helped him. He did everything that he said he would do for him. That's why it took them so long, I believe, to have Isaac. Because they had to get to the point where they saw God faithful. You know, sometimes the biggie takes more out of you than the small thing. Sometimes you get up to that because you have all along had experiences with God and now you can judge him faithful to do the big things for you, the things that are difficult uh, to, to believe him for. And so here we have this for in uh, chapter 7, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, 
king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. First being by interpretation king of righteousness, that's Melchizedek, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. So this Melchizedek was a righteous man and a man who brought peace with God because it looks like he was able to make sacrifices so that Abraham could contact God. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, sounds like Jesus. But made like unto the Son of God, he abides a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And verily they that are of the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes from people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham, but he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. So Melchizedek blessing Abraham means that he, his office was exceeding over Abraham's. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. And as many, uh, and as I may so say, Levi also, who received tithes, paid tithes in Abraham. So the Levitical priesthood had one superior to it that they had paid honor into already before they came into the earth. That gives them an assurance of a connection between the two covenants. The fact that you honor a priest who is not of the God-ordained priesthood means there's a superior priest out there somewhere. Amen. And so they honored Melchizedek. And the Levites paid tithes in Abraham even though they weren't here yet. And so that brings the connection between the old and the new. Now, Christ entered by his own blood. Hebrews 9, if you turn there, verse 12. Verse 11 says, But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come, so when you go to the throne and you at, and you pray and you ask God for something, Christ is only going to bring you good things. You don't go there wondering and wavering and asking and maybe yes, maybe no. Uh, he's a ministering of good things to come. That's all he's allowed to give you is good things. The Bible says every good and perfect gift is from above or the tabernacle in the sky that that from the father of lights there's no shadow of turning in him he's not going to switch up on you so if you get something that good ain't good you know just give it back to the devil or tell tell him uh-uh, you can't fool me i'm waiting on my good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, it's eternal in the heavens. That is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered into, he entered into the holy place with holy blood. Amen. 
he he sanctified himself by going to the cross and being obedient to the father even unto death that was the last obedient he be obedience he had to do in his earthly walk and god judged him perfect in all of his ways and worthy to receive the name above every name and so that was conferred on jesus after he took the blood to the holiest of of all so when he was talking to mary he told her not to touch him but then when he came back remember he appeared to his disciples and and uh thomas was in there i ain't gonna believe that y'all think you think i fell off the turnip truck this morning my mama didn't birth no fools i know what to look for you ain't gonna tell me he walking around and then jesus came in he said (laughs) my lord my god his knees buckled out from under with his gopher bad self but he jesus didn't mind verifying who he was to he he'll make himself known to you he he's not a great mystery he can reveal himself to anybody revealed himself to thomas he'll reveal himself and he said handle me or touch me he says you can see i am am not uh he said i'm not a spirit but he was flesh and bone no more blood your glorified body has no blood in it your blood the life force in a glorified body is the holy spirit you're all spirit by then amen and so he he uh he was able to reveal himself and now that his priestly uh he has presented the blood over the mercy seat which means that that allows you to be forgiven over and over and over again for the same thing that you know you shouldn't keep doing you know true repentance means you ask god to help you not do it no more it don't just say i'm sorry what's wrong with me today guy he keep doing no it's you know let's tighten up here and get get real but he will continue to forgive us amen over and over and over again but don't don't play him all right he's he's not to be mocked man not to be mocked so christ is of the order of melchizedek with no beginning and no end there was uh, no access to the holiest of of holies in the presence of god without the blood without the shedding of blood hebrews 9 20 two says there is no remission of sins man it says here in verse 18 whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood so the old testament required blood to dedicate the things of the tabernacle and so does the new for when moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law he took the blood of calves and goats with water scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and the people how would you like to go to that church mm-hmm. saying but i bet you felt good after you got that blood spread saying this is the blood of the testament which god has enjoined unto you moreover he sprinkled uh with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry and almost all things are by law purged with blood and without shedding of blood there is no remission 
So blood had to be shed for us so that our sins could be forgiven and sent away. Having, having remission is different than just forgiveness. Okay? If I forgive you, if you say, if you come up to me and slap me and say, oh, I'm sorry, and I forgive you, I have forgiven you, but I'm going to watch you. And all y'all will too. When, when there is remission, there's no watching you anymore. Huh? That blood cleanses so thoroughly. We don't get put on a timeout, a bad report, probation, where God watches you, see what you're going to do next, to see if you're going to mess up. Nah, you don't get that. Remission means... Your sin is sent away from you. The only thing that happens is the devil goes and finds it and brings it back to your memory to make you think it's still being held against you. Now that's his job. He's the accuser of the brethren. And if he didn't watch and see you make mistakes and know what to accuse you of, he would have no ammunition. But when he comes to you and you start listening to this and say, wait a minute, I plead the blood over my, my thoughts here. That blood has, has cleansed and purged and remitted my sin. It's, it, and God doesn't remember it anymore. I'm not going to remember it anymore. So I can go on in life. Amen. Recollection of sin presents a stumbling block to the righteous. People get to the point where they get convinced. You, you ever have a thought try to wear you down? Or a devil starts whipping you. Hey, remember you did that and you did this. And you, did, and you just forget what you were wanting to do that was righteous. You just accept that. And then, and many times people give up on, on trying to live for God because of remembrance of things. That they need to learn how to forget. If you can learn how to forget things... And ask Jesus to help you forget things, you'll be a whole lot happier and a whole lot more used to God. He can't use you if you're condemned all the time. About, I don't know. Stay out of the devil's territory. Make him leave you alone. But I'm telling you, this blood has purged your conscience from dead work so you can serve the living God. In other words, you don't keep thinking about you might make a mistake if you step out in God. It's nothing but, but the condemnation of the devil to try and make you reluctant and remember your past mistakes so you're reluctant. See, it's a stumbling block because you're trying to go forward and then all of a sudden this pops up in your head and you stumble and you're not sure what you're supposed to do. That should not be because of the blood of Jesus. It has purged your conscience from dead works. You've got to live in that, folks. If you don't live in that, you'll go back to sin again. And making excuses and feeling weak and thinking you can't do no better. And he, he didn't shed his blood for you to live like that. Amen. The Bible says, because of the shed blood, we have boldness and confidence to enter the Holy of Holies. 
in the presence of God. Amen. Exodus 12, 7, if you'll go back there, this blood needs to be visible to God. This is where you get into trouble with these grace people. You don't need to confess your sins. You liar. Why is it over there in 1 John then? What you going to do? Just sit up there and look at God like he wrong? I know one thing you won't get in the Holy of Holies without him seeing the blood. You mean you don't have to confess nothing no more? Give me a break. We turn on the TV. You got enough to confess just looking at 30 minutes of television. If you was honest. (laughs) You mean they can put that on TV now? You know all the filth and stuff that's that's spoken on that thing. You know, come on now. That stuff ain't good for you. And they get to rolling around in your head and you thinking cuss words all day long. And then you think they cute. Come on now. Let's get, let's get it together, gang. We're holy. H-O-L-Y people. So Exodus 12, verse 7, they shall take of the blood and strike it. Let me see, 12. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is the Passover when Israel is being led out of Egypt. Take of the blood, you know, get a lamb about a year old uh, and and, uh, keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And all the whole assembly will kill it in the same evening. Jesus went to the cross, you know, during Passover. So he was the last Passover lamb that was slain. Amen. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts, the upper door, the post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor boiled with water but roast it with fire why because it was a sacrifice all of the sacrifices of god with exception of a few but the atonement sacrifice was always done with fire amen and so it says in and roast with fire its head and its legs and the pertinence thereof and you shall let nothing of it remain until morning eat it all up the body of Christ is not to be mishandled. It's to be partaken of. It's to be appreciated. There should be nothing left over for all the people that God had called out of sin that night. Amen. And he says, And that which remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And you shall eat it with your loins girded, with your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you will eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will kill all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. So your little world, you got me? You know, you look at, uh, well, God, when am I going to get my bills paid? He's looking at getting rid of all the demons in your city. 
you moving tonight so you ain't worried you don't need to be worried about no bill just pack your little stuff and get up and get on out of here put all that little worry on the shelf huh because it's moving time see there are times when god needs us to obey him completely and obey him quickly and do what he tells us to do because the enemy's right behind you and he said i'm going to execute judgment and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are and when i see the blood when i see the blood the father has to always see the blood that's why jesus had to go into the holiest he had to this ain't no sham that we're involved in it's the real thing so jesus had to fulfill every law of the levitical priesthood everything what was laid down for them he had to fulfill that to the letter he couldn't have stopped and talk to mary and start palling around with everybody he was on a mission he was in the middle of ministering eternal redemption for you for me for everybody and so god says when i see the blood you know how the old faith people say faith is an action faith is an act you got to do something you can't say, oh, God, you know what? I was thinking about putting that blood out there. Something told me to. <coughs> well, you're an Egyptian now, so it's too late for you. You understand? We're a dead one at that. But, but he said, I'm sending the death angel to kill the firstborn of everybody. Amen. From Pharaoh's household down to the slaves. So trust me. When the Israelites started, when Moses announced that to the Israelites, don't think there were some Egyptians that was watching. Huh? Because the Bible reports that there was a mixed multitude that came out of Egypt with Moses. So all you had to do as a neighbor, and this is, this is the thing that God did with, with the uh, israelites he told him before they packed up and left he said go over next door to your neighbors and ask them for their jewelry and they gave it up too you know why because they wanted out of there too so maybe if i'm nice to these people they let me come in and do i'm going with y'all what i gotta do they said just sit down and eat this dinner with us or stand up and eat it get your get everything packed because we booking out of here tonight you know it ain't gonna be long now and so god always is looking for converts he's looking for anybody who wants to be saved it just wasn't for for the nation of israel it was for their neighbors and anybody else who wanted to come and so god was able to pull them out but he said when i see the blood now if you make a mistake or you sin or you know you've done wrong and you don't confess it guess what god don't see Uh uh-huh for all you people think you don't have you don't have to keep confessing your sin what are you talking about I confess my sins for me. Are you? Can I do it for me so that I know there's nothing between me and God? Are you stupid? Yeah. 
people really get off the wall. You know, if God hasn't given you any new revelation, just shut up. Quit selling books. Quit selling tapes. Quit telling the same story over and over. Just go somewhere and sit down. Your time is over. You know, preachers do that. They sweeten the pot and make it sound easier just to garner more people in there. It's enough unsaved people running around thinking they're saved. So the blood always has to be visible to guess who? God, not the preachers. Not the ones who call themselves giving you this watered-down message, but it's got to be visible to God. That's who you got to deal with. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not. I mean, it's worth it. I mean, keep short accounts with God, honey, because everything that's of death, of disease, of illness passes right over you because the blood is visible. Amen. Father, I thank you for the shed blood. And I thank you, Father, that I am cleansed from all unrighteousness. And I confess that I don't like sister so-and-so. And and you know what I'm saying? Let's come clean. We know how to come clean when we need to. You get a pain that won't leave, you come clean. Huh? You get a surprise bill or somebody suing, you come clean. Supposed to stay clean. Huh? Get them things right with God. Keep short accounts with God. Don't don't let things keep hanging over you. It's not worth it. All you doing is hanging on to a little pride, fooling yourself and thinking you're better than the rest of the saints. I'd rather let him see the blood any day than to feel like I don't do anything wrong. That's a lie right there. <laughs> All he's looking for is the blood. It doesn't matter to him who it covers. He ain't looking at you. He's looking at the blood. Are you are you applying that to your life? So the death angel passes over. The death will not touch you. Sickness will not touch you. Murder will not touch you or your offspring. All misfortune must pass over you when he sees the blood. That's all he respects. He doesn't care if you, it's been, you know, well, it's been a long time. I ain't cussed in a long time. Keep living. <laughs> Get up in the middle of the night in a hurry <laughs> and see what happens to you. Right. Trip over the dog and they scream and bite you on the leg. You do something. <laughs> Hebrews 9:15 says Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. He's a mediator of the new covenant. What does that mean? A mediator is somebody who negotiates through the terms of the covenant. We just know a few little, you know, scriptures. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we don't. We just memorize them, don't really meditate on them to figure out what they really mean, or ask God to open it up to us. <laughs> Verse fourteen, Hebrews nine. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, this stuff was done holy through the Holy Spirit, He offered up Himself for us. When he was on the cross, he was submitted to the authority of the Holy Spirit. Everything that happened to him was pre-programmed by God 
And so through the, through the eternal spirit, he offered himself up. <clears throat> where was I? Uh, 14? Yeah, okay. Offered himself without spot to God. If Mary had touched him. Mm-hmm. So he offered himself without spot to God. He will purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. This is why your unsaved neighbors don't do right for very long. They need a, their conscience isn't purged. If you haven't been born again and the blood of Jesus done its complete work in you, it's for all them finished work people, it's got to be a finished work in you. It was for you. You've got to let it complete what it needs to do in you before it can be a finished work. You know, people say they argue about, well, you know, people always adding works to you. You better do some work to show you got faith. Calvary was a finished work. Did it do its work in you? It was for you. Shut your mouth and go and find out what you got. Running around here dictating everybody. You know, people... We ain't all there sometimes. So in verse 15, and for this cause, for the cause of getting you right in your head, so that your past doesn't make you stumble. Your present don't make you stumble. Nothing makes you stumble. You have a purged conscience that's cleansed from dead works. I mean, not even a trace of debris. Of your sinful past is there. And it covers your iniquity. Which means that your naughty want to's can't mess it up. Even though they're not all dealt with. Huh? You know how you know it ain't all dealt with. Somebody, the devil jumps you by surprise and he goes like, and you, everything pours out of you. Oh, I didn't even know that was there anymore. Iniquity, that's what it's called. I mean, we're chipping at it, at it a little bit, a little bit, a little bit by a little bit. Huh? It's kind of interesting. God is the author of your, your redemption, your perfection, your maturity, all that kind of stuff. So if I get tired of Miss Juana doing the same thing over and over again, I have no authority, no power, no business telling her to straighten up. Because I'm not her mediator. I'm not her savior. I'm not the author and finisher of her faith. Jesus is working on her. And if if I would keep my nose out of her business, he would work on me too. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, this will make you fall in love with him. And that is not to say that you can run rampant, you know what I'm saying, being rebellious and telling people off and stuff. But we're not entitled to pressure one another to conform to our standard of behavior. Now, some people are barely hanging on. They do good to get up and want to come to church sometimes. And then the saints want to pounce on them and tell them how to live right. You know, come on now. 
That's somebody else's job. So he is a mediator of the new covenant, Hebrews 9, 15. For this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. So he mediates over your inheritance. Now, you know, people seem to think that you can speak a thing into existence. No, you've got to have somebody to minister over them words. See, your words are spoken, but they're captured by your mediator. They don't just go to where you, huh? Even the ones that you speak in full authority over the devil, because we have authority over all the power of darkness, even those are mediated over. You got me? Sometimes you're praying prayers that will slap the devil upside the head ten years from now. If they went directly to him and he slapped you, slapped him, and he slapped you back, you quit being a Christian. You need a, a mediator over your words. You got me? Even when you, you pray, say, for instance, Pastor Shirley, and I am so healed. I mean, seriously, all that pain is totally gone. It's been bugging me all week. But even when she took authority, the Holy Spirit grabbed those words and mediated over them and ministered them, amen, so that he could push enough healing into me as long as my faith was working. He can't push beyond that. But if it was her, she'd want me healed immediately. You got me? Whether I'm receiving it or not. And so we have to understand that we're not, and this is a comfort. This should be a comfort to you. This is a safeguard. Because if you, if you tell somebody something and it's hurtful to them, the chances are your mediator can soften that blow to them or can help them to forgive you and, 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 you know, and it's not hitting out there just straight shooting out your mouth like we think we want to do it. And so we need a mediator. We need an intercessor. You need somebody to intercept those prayers and those words that are amiss and those errors and correct them and they don't go and and plant in your life and bear fruit in your life. You need that. So the blood has paid for us. So what else does the blood uh, do for us in John 6? I'll try to do these kind of quickly. John 6. Oopsie. John six fifty three fifty six. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh, drinks my blood, has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For as my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed, He that eats my flesh, drinks my blood, dwells in me and I in him. As the living Father has sent me and I live by the Father, so he that eats me shall even live by me. This is that bread that came down from heaven 
not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, but he that eats this bread shall live forever. So the bread, the body, and the blood of Jesus gives us life. Amen. You partake of it by your faith in what he's done. This is all a faith saying. It has nothing to do with eating uh, a person for real, but you are partaking of his spiritual body. So his spiritual body is that breathed into you by the Holy Spirit. The body of Christ is the word of God. And the blood of Christ in its its resurrected form is the Holy Spirit. And so these will agree down here on this earth. So he he gives us life through his blood. Amen. It's the only source of eternal life known to mankind. In Acts chapter 20 in verse 28. It says here, we were purchased by his blood. He says, take heed, uh, take heed therefore to yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. He's talking, this is uh, Paul talking to the ministers there. To feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. So the people of God belong to God. They don't, we don't, you know, I'll hear pastors say, my people take care of me. Uh, You better get God taking care of you. (laughs) And people, people's come and people's go. Amen. Don't be bragging on people at all, brother. You better get God to take care of you. (laughs) In 1 Peter 1, let me see what that says. 1 Peter 1, 19. I think it pretty much says the same thing, but I'm going to check and make sure. 119. But with the precious, he says, for as much as verse 18, as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot, blemish, or wrinkle amen and so god had foreordained christ to shed his blood from the foundation of the earth to atone for our sins romans 5 9 says we are justified by his blood you are acquitted of all wrong you are acquitted of all wrong it amazes me how what did i say romans 5 9 it amazes me how now that technology has caught up with uh, forensic science and, and those things have, have come into a greater clarity for how to examine evidence and so forth and so on, how many people are being exonerated from crimes that they are in prison for committing. You got me? And so when, when the Bible says you are justified by his blood, that's what that means. That no trace of sin can be held against you. In Romans 5, 9, amen. It says, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So put that one in your pocket for your little doom and gloom people on Facebook prophesying that the world is going to come to end and God is judging the church. You know, I, I'm not afraid of, of the judgment of God. He can judge me anytime he wants to because I'm going to show him the blood. You got me? 
I'm not scared of God, but I know he does not punish the righteous with the wicked. I mean, that was true in the Old Testament. So we are justified, which means you are acquitted, made righteous, and made just. There's no charge against you. Amen? The charges have been dropped. I don't mean y'all ain't done nothing wrong and he saw it, but he dropped the charges. Why? Because he sees the blood. Amen? Ephesians 2.13. Those of us who were felt uh, away from God are made nigh by the blood. Close to him by the blood. There's so many Christians walking around in condemnation, have no clue how God really feels about them, how much he loves them, will do anything for them. Why? Because they live apart from him. They live at a distance. You live at a distance. You know why? You don't let the blood do its effective work for you. See, somebody you don't want to see, you don't want to see for a reason. Huh? It's true. Your conscience, if your conscience gets messed up, Instead of letting it remain purged all the time, just just allow the purging of the conscience. And if you start feeling bad about something and you can't get it out of your mind, you go to God and God say, please make this real to me, Lord. If there's something I need to confess, let me know what it is because I want this distance, this veil that seems to sh- keep me from being close to you and trusting you. I want this veil ripped like it was when Jesus died. When he hung on that cross and died, the veil of that old temple was ripped from the top to the bottom to let the Holy Spirit out to console us and to help us and to strengthen us and to teach us, do all the things that we need to have done. And we are not to, after we are blood-bought, live at a distance from God anymore. He should be the first person you run to. Good, bad, or indifferent. you got to go to him first and foremost. I tell people this all the time. You know, I know, I, I know I'm hard sometimes about doctors and doctor things, but I don't have my confidence in them. You understand what I'm saying? Now, now I'll go if I just have to go and I need some relief from my suffering. Can't get it any other way. But Gigi got the goods this morning. She got me straight. But you understand what I'm saying. I'd much rather do that. Then to go try and get some tests, and <laughs> which I refuse to buy that little other insurance they want to sell. You know, I, I said, I could take that and buy a whole lot of. Uh, I used to say, I can buy Bibles and tracts, but now I tell the truth. I said, shoes. <laughs> Guilty. Huh? But whatever you want to spend it on is your money. You know, unless God's told you to do something else with it. But. I said, I'm going to quit skating on that. I said, God, I might need something one day. Then I said, nah, I'll do it next month. But, but you know what I'm talking about. But, but I go to God first. You know, I don't go to, to the world first. Amen. One of them kings of Israel, God killed him because he inquired of physicians. He knew he was supposed to go to the priest. Only thing that's separating them Old Testament people from their health was sin. 
because it was clearly written in the Bible. But you don't want to go to priest. You don't want to, you know, confess nothing. So you go find your physician to do some voodoo on you. Well, God didn't want that. He wanted him to come to him. We should always trust God first. Amen. He'll let you know where to go. I worked for a, a few days trying to get my faith in gear to get rid of that pain, and I couldn't do it. Well, the Bible says, if, if James 5.14 uh, tells you to call for the elders of the church. Now, that, there are some, some scholars who say what that it is interpreted as, if you have sought the Lord on your own and it don't move, then you call somebody in the church to get you straight. You got me? So you always have that option to go, go, go to God's people. Keep it in house. Amen. Keep it in house. Keep it tight. Keep it right. Amen. <laughs> and you know, some of us, God wants us to experience what it means to get that supernatural healing. You know, it's good for you. Amen. Ephesians 1 7 says, We have redemption through his blood. We are purchased out. The devil don't own you anymore. You don't have to listen to him. Don't ask him what he thinks about nothing. And, you know, don't be looking for no spies to come and tell you some news about your situation. Just keep it with you and God. Amen. We have redemption through his blood. Ephesians 2.13 says we are made nigh by the blood. We are brought near to God by the blood. Nothing else does it. Colossians 1.20 says that God has made peace with us through his blood. Let me find that one. We'll read that one. Colossians 1, did I say 20? Verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of the cross... By him to reconcile all things to himself. That means you, your cat, your dog, your house, your property, your plants, your furniture. All things are reconciled to him. Your stuff is blessed. Your stuff won't wear out. Don't be afraid to go buy a car. Just go in faith. God says he'll perfect things that concern us. If it ain't right, he'll straighten it out. Just, but don't be stupid. You know what I'm saying. Get a deal while you're going. Listen, we all part Hebrew. You know what I'm talking about? It's against our religion to pay full price for anything. I know it's against mine. We're made peace through the blood of the cross. Hebrews 9.12 says, once for all by his own blood, he obtained eternal redemption. I don't care how bad you get. I don't care how bad you mess up. You are redeemed. The devil does not own you ever, never, never. You got me? He never can lay claim to you again. You don't have to listen to him. You don't have to do what he tells you to do. You don't have to be intimidated by him. Just rebuke him and tell him. If you need information, get it from God. The devil can't tell you. And his people don't have nothing good to tell you either. Be careful where you get your information from. We got people out there, fake fake news, they fake polls and fake the 
try to give a fake election result, they still faking stuff. You understand me? Turn that stuff off and get in your Bible. That's going to be the only safe place to be pretty soon. Sit up and listen to that nonsense. The blood cleanses your conscience from dead works so that you can serve the living God. He once and for all entered the tabernacle to obtain eternal redemption for us. Hebrews 10.19 gives us confidence to approach God because of the shed blood. Let me turn there. Hebrews 10 and verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness and confidence to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. If you don't enter by way of the blood, you're just talking to yourself. You think you're praying. And you think you're prophesying. You think you're talking to God. You know, you see these little people on Facebook going to prophesy and then they go in the next breath going to put a naked picture on there or cuss somebody out or something like that. Well, you know, you get the delete button. Never should have friended you anyway. It's trying to help you. I see you can't help some people. Hebrews 13:12 says we are sanctified by his blood. The blood sets us apart from the devil's people. It sets us apart from from uh, people who don't live right you ever notice that you know you'll have to explain this to your children too there are times when their little friends have been friends for a while won't like them they don't what did i do you didn't do nothing you just sanctified okay god decided to set you apart and split some stuff up get used to it it's gonna have to be a way of life you may not win a popularity contest, and you may not, but you'll be popular with God. Just go ahead and do what he wants you to do. So we are sanctified by his blood. Hebrews 10.22 says that our hearts are sprinkled by his blood. That's a good one. 10.22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of, of faith. Don't be reluctant to ask God what he wants you to do. Ask him what he thinks about it. God, what plans do you have for me? Don't be scared because he sprinkled your heart and purified your heart so that what comes out of there is something good, something he'll approve of, something he'll, he wants you to have. If, if you're not getting your answers, check your purity thing. Do you know your heart's been sprinkled? You can't ask amiss. As long as you let God see the blood, you keep short accounts with God, you don't be missing from the throne room. You don't jump up with some new crazy doctrine that tells you you don't need this. Whenever people start cutting back on what you need to do as a Christian, just delete them people. Oh, this ain't necessary. No, you don't have to do that. It's since when? Maybe I want to come clean before God. Maybe he's the only person I can confess to and not be ashamed to tell him certain things. Maybe I need that kind of relationship in my life. If you don't need it, that's too bad. You do what you want to do, but don't tell me what I don't have to do anymore. People have you broke and sit out on the street looking stupid, don't even have a church to go to anymore, telling you what you don't need to do. Revelations 1, that will be our last. 
I think. One, four. <laughs> I think it's Revelation 1, 4. If I can ever get there, I'm going a slow route for some reason. Yeah, thanks. One, four. It says here. <laughs> ah. Four through five, I think. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace and peace be unto you from from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. You get washed in the blood of Jesus, use holy. You got me? You will shock yourself the things that you you uh, will do sometimes. You know, sometimes you come home tired and you don't feel like being bothered with nobody. And somebody calls you and God says, you better answer that. <laughs> and then you'll find yourself ministering to somebody for hours because there's a need there. Uh, that's righteousness. You've been freed up by the blood of Jesus to do the will of God. Amen? With, without uh, complaining or any of that. So understand that God has provided so much, but not without blood. You got me? Always acknowledge. This is why the church goes dead and the church goes powerless. Is because remember they said uh, they, they took them blood songs off the, out the hymnals. You know, and ever since then, it's been kind of dead around here. Why? Because there's life in the blood of Jesus. You need to acknowledge the blood. You need to declare the blood. You need to appreciate the blood of Jesus. And you need to apply it to your life so that God sees the blood and not your misgivings and not your weaknesses and not your anything. But when he sees the blood, everything that is against you cannot touch you. Got to pass over you. Do the right thing, saints. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for allowing us the privilege of coming into your throne of grace and not without blood. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all unrighteousness, allows us to appear appear faultless before your throne, that we don't have any misgivings when we come to ask for our needs to be met. We have confidence and assurance that you will do these things. Thank you, Lord, that your blood keeps us from wavering and from shrinking back. It's what gives us the understanding that we belong to you. We've been adopted by your blood. We have a transfusion by you. We are no longer mere mortals, but we are God men and God women Because the life of Christ dwells in us. So we thank you so much for that. We bless you. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and we'll pray for you before we adjourn.